0: We're going to be looking at Malachi chapter 1 verses 1 through to 5. God's electing love. God's electing love. We start this evening uh, a new series looking at this book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi, it means messenger. My messenger actually. Malachi means my messenger as such. Malachi may refer to the name of the person whose oracles from God are recorded in this book, or else it may simply be a description of him, that he was a messenger of God. Okay, So it may be his name or just a description of him, or both. Nothing more can be said about Malachi, the word Malachi only appears once in the Bible, here in the very first verse of the book, and no other information is given about him. Let's now look at the first five verses of the book of Malachi. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord have indignation forever. And your eyes shall see and ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. So that's the first verses of this book about... Um, or rather the oracle, the burden of Malachi given to him by God for the people of Israel. Although we can't say anything in particular about the, the man, about Malachi, what can be said of his ministry is that he prophesied during the Persian rule. And he did so after the temple had been uh, rebuilt and the worship of God had been restored in it that much we can say however as we shall see in the weeks to come despite despite the place of worship being re- reestablished, both the priests and the people had become very corrupt in their worship two themes predominate in Malachi in chapters one and two We can see the sin and the apostasy of Israel. And then in chapters 3 and 4, notice is given of coming judgment upon the Israelites, upon the faithless Israelites, with blessings for all who repent. God chose Israel from among all the other nations to be his special people because of his love for them. It was a love that was completely unmerited. They did nothing to earn God's love. They were certainly no better than anyone else. As God said to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, I read it a few minutes ago, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's favour was upon Israel, the nation of Israel, because he loved them. It's as simple as that. The oracle or the prophecy that Malachi received from God and that he carried to Israel as a burden starts with a reminder of that great love and favour of God towards the nation. And since it was a covenantal love, God goes by his name, his covenantal name, Lord, with capital letters, Lord or Jehovah. First of all, through his messenger... The Lord said to Israel, I have loved you. We see that there in verse 2, I have loved you. It's not just past tense, by the way. God isn't The Lord God is not just saying, I used to love you, I have loved you, I do love you, I will love you. And in response, Israel said, wherein have you loved us? Or how have you loved us? straight away from that response perhaps you can see just how ungrateful and how rebellious the jews were what and what a thing to say to the lord their god how have you loved us <coughs> they were irreverent towards god clearly they did not fear him in fact The history of Israel is one of continuous rebellion against God who loved them. Can you imagine parents who love their children and they show that love, they demonstrate that love in various ways, Such as they invest their time and money on their children, they feed them, they clothe them, they keep them warm, they protect them, they take care of all their needs. They watch over them, only for the children to say to us, how have you loved us? Coming back to Israel, instead of consuming that nation in his wrath. When they said, how have you loved us? The Lord graciously answered them by saying, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I loved Jacob and I hated Esau. Jacob and Esau, they were twin brothers. They had one and the same father and mother, Isaac and Rebecca, And they were equally descended from Abraham Even so, the Lord loved Jacob, from whom Israel were descended. And as can be seen in verse 3, the Lord hated Esau. As can also be seen in verses 2 and 3, the Lord not only hated Esau, he laid his mountains and heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness, whereas he abundantly blessed Israel. For example, Israel as a nation was chosen and it was adopted by God as a nation. When Israel was in slavery in Egypt, the Lord instructed Moses to say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. God demonstrated his love for the ancient Israelites when he delivered them out of slavery in Egypt and gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord manifested his presence with Israel on many occasions. For example, it is written in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through to 3, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. And the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Well, yeah, they said that then, at that particular time. It didn't stop them saying, how have you loved us, when the Lord declared to them his love for them. As for the various covenants, that God has made with mankind throughout history. Ultimately, there is one overarching, overarching covenant of grace. But that one covenant has been revealed more fully through time with various other covenants that God has made with people. And we have received those covenants through Israel. God made various covenants with Israel and they all come under the umbrella of that one overarching covenant of grace. Which you, if you are a Christian, you, come, you, you are under a covenant of grace with God. God's law that we have recorded in our Bibles was first of all given to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. The word of the Lord that has come to us by the prophets of God, including Malachi, was spoken first to Israel. The good news of salvation from sin through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was in the first place proclaimed to the nation of Israel by the prophets. The Lord made promises to Abraham that in his seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And we see the beginning of that promise with the nation of Israel being blessed so abundantly. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That promise was made to Abraham and to his seed. The promise is recorded in the books of Moses. The seed that is spoken of. In the promise is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world 2,000 years after the promise was given. With regards the humanity of Jesus, he is a descendant of Jacob, the father of the tribes of Israel. Jesus, a descendant of Jacob, whom the Lord loved. Whilst all the other nations were left to their superstitions and their idolatry, Israel had the tabernacle and after that the temple with a clearly defined system of worship of the only true God. It's certainly not an exaggeration to say that Israel as a nation has been blessed by God far more than any other nation. Even so... The ingratitude and the rebellion against the Lord can be seen in these verses. And it continued to the extent that when the promised seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into the world. It is written in John chapter 1 and verse 12. He came unto his own to Israel and his own received him not. About 33 years later, the Lord Jesus Christ was nailed to a wooden cross and lifted up to die between two thieves. The blame was laid squarely on the shoulders of Israel. For example, on the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter, preaching to the Jews, said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and have put to death. That was the Apostle Peter speaking as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. And then there was Stephen who was stoned to death as a result of what he preached to the Jews. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, the just one being Jesus, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. The words of Stephen, the martyr. Coming back to the promise that the Lord made to Abraham, That in his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed without a shadow of a doubt. No nation has received greater blessings from God than Israel and for their part they threw it all back in God's face. We see it here just in these verses. The Lord says in verse 2, I have loved you. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Wherein hast thou loved us? Israel said. But it's not just Israel, is it? What about other nations? For example, many years ago, my pastor, he said of Britain that no other nation has been blessed so much by God other than in Israel. When you think of the blessings that Britain has received, and not just Great Britain, the United Kingdom, the British Isles, the blessings that have been received, that have been poured out upon Britain. I think he was right. When you think about it, Britain has probably enjoyed far more temporal and gospel blessings from God than the rest of the world (coughs) apart from Israel. Even now, there are still some parts of the world that are unreached by the gospel. We've had the gospel for so many years And what have we done? We've responded with ingratitude and rebellion, just like Israel. In modern Britain, Christianity has been marginalised. God's laws are being violated, willfully violated. For example, God's law says, love your neighbour as yourself. But our unborn children are being slaughtered on the altar of convenience under the umbrella of women's health care. God has declared that homosexuals shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But in the law of the land homosexuality is celebrated and same-sex couples are permitted to marry. For all its gospel heritage, Britain is now one of the nations that are leading the way in fulfilling the words of Psalm 2, where it is written, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. Do we not see that in our age? The rebellion against God. Throwing everything back. At God. We've seen that the Lord declared his love for Jacob. And Jacob's descendants Israel. In contrast the Lord also declared his hatred for Jacob's twin brother Esau. Whose descendants have now been wiped off the face of the earth. Whereas Israel still continues to exist but let's move on from thinking about nations to individuals we've seen God's love for the nation of Israel a covenantal love for Israel seen in that God the Lord loved Jacob and Hated Esau, his twin brother. In Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul explained God's love and his sovereign choice of individuals, for some people, but not for all. Some God loves, some he hates. His choice of individuals for salvation and everlasting life regardless of whether they happen to be Jews or Gentiles. In Romans chapter 9, verses 13 through to 16, Paul said, As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. In other words, we can't stamp our feet. We can't wave our fists at God. We can't shout. It's not fair. You can't love one and hate the other. God demonstrated his love for some and not others in that he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. God chose Israel from among the nations. He set his love upon them, although they were thoroughly undeserving just like all the other nations. No better, no worse. Likewise, when it comes to salvation from sin, receiving everlasting life, being an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, it's all about God's sovereign choice and him setting his love upon some and not others. It's all about God having compassion on whomever he will have compassion. As uh, the Apostle Paul went on to say in Romans chapter 9, uh, doth, doth not God have the, the right or the power to make of the same lump of clay some vessels for honour and other vessels for dishonour? We all come from the same lump of clay, And yet God chooses some to be made into vessels of honour and others dishonour. Some people he saves uh, and others he reprobates. That's God's choice. What all that means for you is that if you are a Christian, you are someone whom God has loved with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. Before you were born, God loved you. Just like Jacob and Esau, before they were even born, before they'd done anything good or bad, God had set his love upon Jacob, but not Esau. And so it is with you, dear Christian, God has loved you with an everlasting love. (coughs) Not for anything that you've done, but because God has loved you. And it's as simple as that. He chose you before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him in love. Then in God's time, he drew you with loving kindness to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you received Jesus as your saviour from sin. You... Dear Christian, are a spiritual descendant of Jacob and his father Isaac and his father Abraham. As the apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ and in verse 29 the apostle said and if you are Christ's then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise speaking to you as a Christian let me just say that again if you are Christ's then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise If you belong to Jesus and your testimony is that you are a child of God because he has loved you with an everlasting love and not for anything meritorious that you have done. People might accuse you of being big-headed. If you say to someone, I'm a Christian, I have a heavenly inheritance because... God has loved me for no other reason than God has loved me with an everlasting life. People might not like hearing that. And indeed Christians shy away from that. They shy away from the doctrine of election and and God's everlasting love. And him choosing some and reprobating others. Christians are a bit shy of that doctrine or a bit uncertain of it. Perhaps they're scared that people will think that they, they're exalting themselves above everyone else. However, the one who really is exalting himself above everyone else is not you, but the person who professes Christ and whose testimony is that he is a child of God And God loves him because somehow he earned it. That's the big head. Once you start claiming that in some way you merited God's love, you really misunderstand things. A Christian is somebody who says, I have done nothing. At all to deserve it. I'm no better than you. I'm no better than anyone else. We read in Malachi here. Jacob I have loved. Esau I have hated. Maybe that sounds a bit unfair to you. That God loves some. He hates others. Why should he love you? And not everybody. Far better to ask, why should he love anyone at all? And it is because God is a God of grace and mercy that he loves some and he ordains them to everlasting life. It may well be asked, how can it be fair? How can it? Again, God is a debtor to no man. All are lost. All are guilty in Adam. It is a mercy of God that he should love anyone at all, that he should save anyone at all. God set his love upon Israel. They didn't deserve it. And that is a picture of God setting his love upon individuals, some of whom are in here tonight loved by God for no other reason than God has loved them. With an everlasting love and with loving kindness he has drawn them to his son. If God has loved you with an everlasting love and demonstrated his love by sending his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to satisfy his laws on your behalf and to lay down his life as your substitute sin bearer, don't deny it, embrace it. Don't be like Israel of old either with their ingratitude. Rather, praise God for his love and his mercy towards you. Rejoice in it and be forever humbled by it. Amen.